select Zach Wilson, quarterback, BYU. going on everybody welcome back me and dj are back here tuesday mailbag episode uh gonna have a little fun here with some questions dj how we feeling today on a nice uh nice day in new york should we start drinking already or what are we what are we doing uh you know i don't drink like that um but uh i mean no, it's a good day outside you know i yeah. just got me a haircut i'm feeling good you know what I'm saying? i got my mic i got a new mic you know i saw some of the comments some of the comments that my uh audio wasn't that good so i hope this microphone you know works a little bit better you feel me yeah um, we gotta you know, it happens. It happens. It happened to me. My first, uh, my first couple of runarounds. We're gonna get into. We're gonna do some of the audio uh, voicemails. And again, we're gonna be doing this pretty frequently here uh, as time goes on. You know, we we'll play your, you know, your voicemails, and um, you guys can have a little bit of fun with those. But let's get right into it. Uh, get into some of the Twitter questions, and then uh, got OTAs next week, so we'll be able to break that down a little bit more. But we'll start with uh, well, Bryson Bryson Burner. Um, asked if we wanted to rank the Jets offensive weapons by receiving yards this year um you know interested to see where Carter and Hall would fall on the lit this list if either make it so um I'll start with how I think it'll go and then I want you to kind of see if you agree with me and uh, we'll kind of go from there I'll, right, I'll cool. say it's going to go um I think it's going to be Elijah one um I think that's pending injury but I think Elijah will be one I think Corey Davis will be two I think I think Garrett Wilson will be three. Um, and then I think it'll go Michael Carter four, Michael Carter or Brees Hall four. And then, um, and then CJ Uzama five and then the other back six. And then I think the rest of the guys will probably, you know, Barrios and Conklin, those guys will be at the end of the list, but I think it'll go top three will be Elijah, then Corey then Wilson. Um, and I think one of the backs, probably Brees Hall, I guess will be four. You'll see maybe Uzama at five and then the next back, Whoever it doesn't go for will be six. How about you? You you agree with that or are you a little different? I'm a little different. I think it's gonna be a you know, we both agree on number one. I think Elijah will be the number one wide receiver this year. Um just you know, that five week stretch from like week what eight, eight to like thirteen, you know, capped off with uh the game against the Eagles. I think he scored once and obviously the game before that against uh, you know, a couple games before that against the Dolphins where he went crazy. Um that was just elite receiver play, and I think he'll be able to continue that this year. Um, I know that the Jets staff, they're very high on him. Like, they were content with just go run, not running it back with this receiver core, but, like, content in the sense of not using a first-round pick if the board fell the way they would have liked for it to fall. But, again, they got Garrett Wilson, and Garrett Wilson is going to be number two for me. I think Garrett Wilson will be number two. I, I kind of see it as similar, like um, – you know, in what's it called in Cincinnati, right? You had Tyler Boyd, who's right now currently making you know around the same money as Corey, um, and he was the number one guy before they brought in T. Higgins and before they brought in Jamar Chase. So I kind of see a little bit similar in that, where like Corey's still a very good option. You know what I'm saying? This is not really like about what he can or can't do. You feel me? Um, I just like the talent of Garrett Wilson and Elijah Moore just a little bit better. And I feel like uh, Garrett Wilson this year should be able to produce some explosive plays. And then, you know, you don't have Corey number, Corey number three, which is good. Cause again, like how many teams can say they have a starting trio of those three, not that many. Um, then number four, I would go Tyler, Tyler uh, Conklin. 
I, w- I think he's a better tight end than CJ Uzama. Like I, I legitimately think he's a better tight end. Um, and then I think I put him on fire. I probably put CJ. And uh, actually, yeah, I probably put CJ. Then I put one of the running backs, whether it's Brees Hall or Michael Carter. So it's it's kind of flipped between those two. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see the the thing that's going to be, and then we'll get into the next question. But the thing that'll be interesting to see is just how quickly um, health is obviously going to play a big factor. This is obviously assuming everyone's healthy. And then it'll be kind of interesting to see how Zach plays early on in the season. Um, if he follows more of the Zach of week 12 through or week 13 through 17 or 18, and the kind of what Mike White did, a lot of dump offs to the backs, a lot of different stuff there that may fluctuate things. Um, but if it's the Zach where like he's kind of playing the way we thought he would play coming to the NFL, I think we'll see a lot more of that. It'd be heavy, heavy receiver and tight end base and the running backs won't get quite as many touches. Just like Zach was coming into the, coming into the NFL was all about outside the numbers, like yeah. outside receivers, just murdering that. And, la- and last year it was like, the direct opposite was like all of his good completions were over the middle of the field minus like a couple of big splash plays. So that'll be interesting. I'm going to go to this question next. Um, and then we'll go to, um, it'll kind of blend. Uh, we'll go to this question next. Kenny M asks, what's more likely to happen? Elijah Moore, uh, 1000 yard season or Carl Lawson, double digit sack season. I'll let you take this one first. Um, more likely, neither I'd have ever happened. Say, so, yeah, neither never happened. I'll probably say um, Elijah Moore because I think if he would have remember, he missed the last four games of the year. Um, yeah, he missed the last four games of the year, and he was already at five hundred. So, if he would continue that pace, he'd have been let's say around eight hundred. Just for the sake of discussion, would have been around eight hundred. So. He would have been close. He was he was close. Like he, that pace was a thousand yard receiver type pace. So I think this year he should be able to continue that. Now I will say that what benefits Carl is Carl comes back and will be playing alongside other talented defensive alignment with Jermaine Johnson, Quinn Williams, uh, Sheldon Rankins. Um, so he'll be able to you know JFM. He'll be able to not have to worry about getting double teamed as often. So that might help him you know, be able to get up his sack total, even though he's never reached double-digit sacks. But, man, Elijah just – what he was look, what Elijah was looking like last year towards the end before he got hurt, I know he'll be able to continue that. Because, like, what he was doing, that skill set is transferable. It's it's the way he wins through separation, yak. Also, you know, obviously he's fast. He's explosive, dynamic. Um, route running is pristine. So, like, that's not going to go away now. We can't predict injuries because both of them have had, you know, both dealt with injuries last year. But if both stay healthy, I would lean towards Elijah. Yeah, so I'm gonna I'm gonna go Elijah for two reasons. One that you mentioned, um, yes, the only thing that I think would hinder the only two reasons Elijah wouldn't be a thousand yard receiver based on what I saw is if he gets hurt, um, or just because there's so many volume of different targets that they spread the ball around so much where it's like, again. It's just the concept of this where that New England style of offense where like everyone gets three or four touches and you're kind of just fit. You're not, it's never like one guy gets fed targets. That's the only way I would see him not getting to a thousand. Carl's tough, right? Because, and we'll blend this into the next question, but A, I don't know how much the Jets are going to rush him back. I think they're comfortable with the D-line. Even if Carl wasn't there, I think they like where their D-line group's at. And he's like a huge bonus, obviously, if you get Carl. A, he's never got to 10 sacks. And B, I think, I don't think Carl's going to be playing 
65, 70 snaps week one. Um, and I think, and I think maybe if all things go well, he's healthy, rehab looks good. He's Carl Lawson of last year in camp. I think you'll start to see him really step up his um, snap count outside of maybe third downs early in the year and some stuff like that. Maybe week four or five as, as the season starts to get rolling. I just think they're going to slow play Carl. He's a valuable asset to them. I just think that'll, that hurts you, right? As the less snaps yeah. you have, you know, um, but to your point, if he is 10 sacks, I think it'll be because a, he's a very good player and B they have so much talent um, on this defensive line from that can all do a lot of different things. And I think someone's going to have to get the 10 sacks this year. I think it'd be super disappointing if you don't have anybody, um, which is kind of what I wanted to transition a little bit to this question. Uh, Brandon's cards uh, asked realistic expectations for the defensive line. So I guess I'll start, and I'll finish this and I'll go back to you. Um, Last year, I think there was a little bit of overhype going into camp um, with what the D-line was because of how good Carl was. Um, I think people were talking top three, top five defensive line. Um, I never thought it was top three or five. So I think they're comfortably a top 10 defensive line. I think the question whether they'll go from seven, eight, or nine, somewhere in that range, to a top three, top four group, which is what the maybe the ceiling is and the realistic expectations is a top 10 group is, can you get – consistent play out of the kind of like is can Quinnen and JFM play to you know what they get paid um I'm not asking Quinnen to be Aaron Donald I'm not asking JFM to be um you know <laughs> I don't even know I'm trying like he's not doesn't need to be DeForest Buckner he could be Michael Brockers and that'd be awesome um right, right? it could be that level can you get Sheldon Rankins to now he's a second season under his belt back from two you know two Achilles can he play at a consistent level can you get um, you know, guys like Bryce Huff, Bryce has been really good when he's flash. And I know I love Bryce a lot, so I'm biased towards him. But at the same time, I think he produces when he's on the field. It's just, he has been banged up the last two years. He starts off the season well and gets hurt. Um, can they avoid that? Can you get, and how fast does Jermaine hit the ground running? We expect him to be a high ceiling guy. Uh, I mean, a high floor guy. So can he, you know, he's more developed. I'm not going to go down the rabbit hole of Solomon Thomas and Clemens and these other guys that are more, more likely rotational pieces at best. Um, as much as it's fun, you know, with what's going on, I'm, I'm just not sure that the Jets are asking Michael Clemens to play 50 snaps a game. But, um, and then again, we talked, I just talked about it. If you're getting Carl Lawson back and like Carl Lawson, not, you know, Achilles and three ACLs later guy. Um, yeah, there's the expectation is going to ratchet up. But I think comfortably the expectation is at least one double digit sack guy, three or four guys over seven sacks would be great. Um, and then they comfortably are a top 10 defensive line right now in my eyes. So I think that's realistic. I think the ceiling again is obviously higher. The floor should not be any less. They have way too much invested in terms of picks and money to be anything less than a top 10 group in the scheme. Yeah. Um, I was actually like trying to Google right now, just positional spending and how much the Jets have. I know they, they at one point had, the fourth most invested in offensive line and the defensive line, I think it was in the top 10 also. So I think that's a fair expectation that by the end of the year this year, we feel that this D line looks like a top 10 unit. I do have to be top two, three, four now, but like top 10, you're thinking about, you got two first round, yeah, two first round picks invested in the D line. You got JFM making double digit money. You got Quinn making double digit money. You know, you have Sheldon who was a former first round pick. Um, like eventually, you know, you kind of want to see a return on the investment. So I think one, granted, based on people that I've talked to, the run, the short, uh, the run game 
defensively wasn't all on the defensive line. Some linebackers, some safeties not coming down, obviously due to injuries, things of that nature. But again, there were too many games where D-line was getting pushed around. You know, you know, we've talked about it before the Colts game. That's one example. You know what I'm saying? Like there's been games where they were dominant, like the Titans game or in the you know, Titans game and the Houston game where they were flat out dominant. Um, but it was getting to the quarterback or stopping the run or a combination of both. So I thought the Tampa that's Bay game, my... they, you saw like even against a quick passing game, I think you saw that this defense can adapt and it's not just like drop back. Like you saw it in Miami game too. Like they can still cause pressure. It's not, that's why like pressures do matter. But I just looked into your point. This is, I'm going to tweet this out after this because this is going to, I'm sure people are going to drive people nuts. The yeah, Jets, have, the Jets have spent, first of all, the Jets are the second most expensive defense in the NFL, which I know is skewed because of I'll a few different guys, because of Mosley and a few different guys. But they have the second most expensive defensive line, taking up 20%, 27% of the cap. And they have the yep. fifth most expensive offensive line, taking up 23%. So, um, no, they have the, the, the second cheapest running backs, receivers in the middle. Um, they like well, now again. We'll go through. We can go through this. Carl's making fifteen this year. JFM twelve point five. Q ten point five. That's quite a bit. Jermaine Johnson, Tom and Thomas, and those guys obviously much cheaper. But and Sheldon Rankins at six. So there is no excuses for them. Like you said, like top ten is needs. Like I, I think that has to be a clear expectation, not just right. like, like that's just like the floor. Um, and this yeah, scheme, that's the floor. This scheme's supposed a lot to benefit of money on them, it. right? Like this is the whole thing's supposed to be this solid scheme. Like you get the best out of everybody. Um, I don't think if you if we are talking about this in a year and everyone's the same thing. Oh, JFM had seven sacks and a lot of pressure. Q had seven sacks and was good for four games. Like that's not. They're not going to be a very good team if that's the case. Um, in my opinion, I think that's not. I think you'll be to see the same problems as much as they've addressed other things that cannot happen. Um, at least in my opinion, I think that's like, if that's a strong suit for you, it's, that's got to produce week over week. Um, we'll go to Harish V. Singh. Um, asked, given Baltimore's running attack, Lamar Jackson and how they run the ball, shouldn't we be worried about how the Jets haven't replaced fully Fatsukasi? Or do you think they have given, um, do you think they could have potential pieces already to contain those guys? I'll let you start so with I, this one. Yeah. So I think just based on, again, the people I talked to and, talking his ball with them. Um, Foley, them losing Foley wasn't like that big of a loss to them because at times they felt that he didn't stay true to his, you know, assignment at times. Sometimes he was just, you know, um, listening to the wrong gaps. Um, it, you know, just based on people I've talked to. So like that kind of explains why even with him, him on paper being a good run defender, that they were still getting gassed at times. That's one. So I, so I don't actually think like the full loss is going to be that big. Um, again, like they were like towards the bottom in the league in terms of rushing defense anyway. And again, like a lot of that had to do with people not filling their run fits, right? You had only one, basically one linebacker that could consistently fill his run gap, um, run fits in CJ Mosley. Quinn, I mean, Quincy gave you the splash plays, but then there were other moments where he went the wrong, through the wrong gap, didn't read things correctly, and then that led to a big play, or, you know, you had a, your safety come down in the box and just not make the tackle, you know? So them missing Foley, I don't think is going to move the needle, right? Um, so for Lamar, I think in terms of stopping them, you're going to need more DBs on the field. 
that's what a lot of teams have done to stop their zone read attack. Cause like there, there's a lot of movement that goes on to where they're doing inside zones where they're going to pull a guard. They're going to pull a center um, and try to get to the perimeter. So you're going to actually in reality, cause Lamar is so fast and so athletic, you kind of want more DBs on the field to try to limit that. Cause again, like a lot of Lamar's explosive plays are outside the tackle box. It's not usually up the field. I mean, I mean, inside the tackle box. granted, like this Lamar, like he's going to have those moments, but if you can, you know, have the speed to go side to side. And when they try to hit you in the pass game with the play action, you have the athletes to stick with the fullback that'll come out or the other tight end, not named Mark Andrews. You know what I'm saying? Like that's how the Chargers in the playoff game were able to stifle him. The Titans in the playoff game were able to stifle him. Um, who else? I know the, the Bills game was a little bit different. I can't really take too much out of that in that playoff game because uh it was like 50 mile per hour wins, <laughs> you know, so that, that game was a little bit different. Um, but again, like you kind of, you want as many athletes on the field to be able to go side to side. Cause like, I wouldn't be surprised if you see a lot of dime package where you got six DBs out there, one linebacker, you're trying to contain Lamar from breaking to the outside. And th- that's why like we see Lamar run so much and he doesn't get hurt. Like we're well, not hurt, but it doesn't get hit hard it's because he's running outside the tackle boxes. That's where a lot of his damage comes out and obviously scrambles. Like, they're not quarterback powers up to A-gap and B-gap all the time. Granted, would it happen? Yeah, but, like, a lot of his damage comes outside of the tackle box. So my my approach would try to get, you know, obviously you can't only be just dimed the whole time, but, like, because I didn't a lot, you know, like, again, like when the Dolphins, you know, shut them down for the most part, they had a lot of DBs on the field. It was basically, like, a lot of dime packages and putting them on line of scrimmage and, one, forcing them to throw and forcing Greg Roman to come up with a different game plan, but like that completely stifled and shut down their running attack. So I'll kind of give three, I'll give a couple of players who I think could be hugely beneficial. One, yes, Ojanobi and, and Quan Alexander would be nice additions, and those guys would both have, you know, they don't move wanna, the needle for me to be honest. Move, it doesn't, not about moving the needle for like the team overall, but yes, obviously those are nice players that adds more talent in the room and all that different stuff. But, um, a, anyone that plays has ever played like defense or whatever, you understand like read option and the triple option, all these different run game things. It's all about like, can you stay disciplined and can you literally yep. not fall for it? And yeah, um, I think it's imperative. Like I cannot stress this enough. That's why I said, I know Lamar is amazing week one and all this stuff, but for the jets, it is important as a young team, like to be able to drill discipline over and over and over again, knowing like, we're going to see this and we have to stay disciplined. Um, if you say discipline, A, that helps you tremendously, no matter how talented Lamar is, how talented some of these guys are, A, that matters more than anything. From a player perspective, they need – and it's nice you get C.J. Mosley week one, or, you know, early, because obviously C.J.'s, you know, as when you, as you're a veteran, like usually early in the year, you're ready to go. Uh, they need right. whoever is going to play next to C.J. to play fast. Like Quincy, you would hope that the problem with <laughs> for Quincy is like he's a perfect guy to play this – from a talent perspective, because he's running chase. Yeah. He's got, you know, he's a very good athlete. He's going to come down to him and fill, but I can see Lamar having, you know, toying with him a little bit from play fake perspective. Um, Hamza Nazrodin's a guy I'd be interested to see how the Jets use this year. A, just in general, I think I thought he would be better at safety and they move him to linebacker. You know, maybe we'll see a transition there. He's a guy that obviously can run and fill. Jordan Whitehead, I think, is the key, though. Um, I think you saw it in the Dolphins game. You mentioned the Dolphins defense. Having Javon Holland be able to kind of do everything. Um, Jordan Whitehead, 
fills the run game really damn well. Um, and he can run yeah, and true. he's physical. And I think he's a guy that you can, you know, the reason the Jets, like as much as I, no one wants to hear this, the Jamal Adams type player, like that guy against the Ravens is perfect because he can run and chase and fill the run game, but he's still a DB and kind of has, you know, has always going to have eyes though. So, um, you know, let's see, those are some names, Nazarene, Quincy Williams, um, you know, Jordan Whitehead are just names. I would think that, you know, on the roster right now could currently kind of help defend Lamar. Um, and then again, like a lot of DBs on the field, the Jets have invested a lot of DB. Um, you know, they, maybe they are able to play, you know, they'll be able to, you know, for some plays, you know, move DJ Reed in the slot and play with four DBs and have kind of two slot players there. And, um, you know, maybe they line up Bryce at times on, um, you know, a Bryce Hall or a somebody else and go, you know, take Mark Andrews and kind of, you, you know, you're able to tackle things like that. Let's see what happens. Um, but those are just some examples I think we could see, um, you know, the Jets kind of employ, employ there. So um, we'll get to, we'll get to some of the audio messages. Um, we'll go from, uh, you know, some of these are pretty funny. I want you guys to continue to send these in um, and we'll kind of, uh, you know, do this as the week goes on. To follow up on that, like, last point with Lamar, like, I'm looking at next-gen stats last year. Um, I'm doing the math right quick. I believe 69, shout-out to Connor Hughes, 69% of his rushes were outside the taco box. It was outside, either outside left or outside right. Like, only 24, yeah, 24%, 25% of that was inside. So like I look up, but that goes back to my point where like okay, like you got to be able to have the DBs that can run with him on the outside. You know that and you made a great point with Jordan Whitehead. Jordan Whitehead, that that's that's not the reason why you brought Jordan Whitehead here. But when you have a guy like that, that can one go side to side and is really good at filling, um, you know, doing his assignment and run fills inside the tackle box too. That that's a bonus. Like I'm looking again like. And look at just look at the AFC quarterbacks in general. They're going to play Deshaun. Same thing. Again, these guys, Josh Allen and Lamar, are like very unique runners from two different perspectives. Because, yeah. but like they do play Josh Allen twice this year. They play Lamar. They play Deshaun. We'll see about that. Even Mr. Trubisky, huge part of his game is own read, right? He's or like, running. Yeah, yeah. He's running. Or, um, you know, you can kind of go down the list and all these different players. Um, they don't have Herbert on the schedule, guys like that. But these guys do use their legs. Um, and, and you do need to be able to defend that type of stuff. Um, you know, obviously <laughs> we'll see with some of the other matchups, but those are just some players, you know, Rogers takes off from time to time. It's nice to be able to just like, you want to be able to, you want to be able to just be able to like defend these guys. They play Justin Fields, Trevor Lawrence, both these guys like to run. So, um, yeah, we'll get to some, we'll get to some of this audio. Um, the well, first one we'll have here's from case. Um, we'll kind of let this one play and then, uh, you know, go from there. What's going on, Will? What's up, DJ? Quick question for you guys. What will it take for the just succeed the projected win total of 5.5? Let me know. Appreciate the question, Case. Um, Jets to exceed their win total of five. Um, without sparing the boring Zach Wilson needs to be good um, thing, I will say this is my one thing I, I'm really interested to see. Year two guys, they we, we everyone loves this 2021 draft, independent of Zach, you know, the – Eccles and Michael Carter is late in the draft, but obviously, you know, Michael Carter, Elijah and Elijah. Um, I think if the Jets are going to be successful and we're going to really truly think this rebuild hits, I think these guys need to take this step, the next step of not just these fun young players that had some nice moments last year into like, yeah, these guys could be Pro Bowl players for the next five or six years. Like that's where you'll see 
Hey, I'm Nate Thurston, and I'm supposed to write a 30-second ad that tells you everything you need to know about my podcast, Good Morning Liberty, which I co-host with Charlie, my best friend of 20 years. That's a tough feat to accomplish, but let's give it a shot. At Good Morning Liberty, we cover the news every day from an individual liberty perspective. We believe that you own yourself, and a tyrannical, overreaching government is the biggest threat to your liberty. If you agree, you can find a new episode every day of the week on your podcast app or by going to BernieLies.com in your browser. Hey, I'm Nate Thurston, and I'm supposed to write a 30-second ad that tells you everything you need to know about my podcast, Good Morning Liberty, which I co-host with Charlie, my best friend of 20 years. That's a tough feat to accomplish, but let's give it a shot. At Good Morning Liberty, we cover the news every day from an individual liberty perspective. We believe that you own yourself, and a tyrannical, overreaching government is the biggest threat to your liberty. If you agree, you can find a new episode every day of the week on your podcast app or by going to BernieLies.com in your browser. Hey, I'm Nate Thurston, and I'm supposed to write a 30-second ad that tells you everything you need to know about my podcast, Good Morning Liberty, which I co-host with Charlie, my best friend of 20 years. That's a tough feat to accomplish, but let's give it a shot. At Good Morning Liberty, we cover the news every day from an individual liberty perspective. We believe that you own yourself, and a tyrannical, overreaching government is the biggest threat to your liberty. If you agree, you can find a new episode every day of the week on your podcast app or by going to BernieLies.com in your browser. It's more so Elijah and Elijah, not um, every, everybody else. Everybody else just being a good co- like roster contributor yeah. is important. But like you spent, you know, two top 34 picks on two offensive guys who everyone loved. Everyone, you know, whether you like the value of Elijah Vera Tucker's trade, doesn't matter. The whole point is like they're viewed as, you know, really promising young players. Can they take the next step of not just being Sam Darnold was a promising young player and going into year two, but he didn't take a step. So then it doesn't matter anymore, right? Denzel Mims had a nice rookie year, didn't take a step. Now we're back to right. Denzel Mims on the roster. So let's not have that happen. Let's let's see these guys. And I think that they take the next step and the Jets have a Pro Bowl level wide receiver in Elijah and a Pro Bowl guard. Now you're like, okay, there's some top end talent here. They probably were able to help them win some games. Um, so what about you? How did, what's another, you know, what are some keys maybe to exceeding that total? Yeah, obviously like we all know, like depends how good Zach is, but I honestly think that, but I mean, get over to six, I mean, you know, five and a half, get to six. I think legitimately, like, Zach could take a team step. And if the defense is, let's say, top 15-ish or, like, top, let's go top 16, then you'll be able to win some games just because off of the strength of your defense. Um, like, a lot of teams that are, like, middling, that are, you know, that, that suffer media, uh, media mediocre quarterback play but can still win games because of defense like perfect example the Denver Broncos last year they had a top five defense and points per game uh and they had Drew Locke and Teddy and they were able to win seven games um similar you know I want to say like two years ago the Dolphins when they went 10 and 6 they had a top five defense and you know they had below average quarterback play um, even last year, they had blow out of a quarterback play and they still won. Yeah, even games. New England, right? Like, Mac was solid. Yeah. He's an average quarterback. Yeah, exactly. They still won 10 games. Um, exactly. Buffalo, Could it Buffalo was 20, fantastic. Not, that was 2019 Buffalo, the Josh Allen yeah. second year. He was solid. Yep, I mean, he's yep. got better, but that defense was disgusting. Like, <laughs> yeah. Josh Allen had four so, fumbles in a playoff game. They still should have won. Um, exactly. So, let's go to the next question from Phil. Um, we'll go here. Hey guys, thanks for answering my question. What's the minimum season that Zach Wilson needs to have to be successful in your eyes? Is there a certain stat that you're looking for or anything like that? 
or in terms of the other way around, is there a year that Zach Wilson could have that would make you want to go to a new quarterback next season? Thanks for taking the time. Have a good one. All right. Appreciate the question, Phil. DJ, you want to take Shout this one Phil. first? Let's go Miami Heat. That's my dog, man. I love Phil, man. He be in my DMs all the time just talking to me about the Heat. I'm just – but the other day he was he was like, man, you know, we about to play the Celtics, man. We need Tyler. I said, Tyler, hero. If we need Tyler Hero to win the series, then, you know, let's just get ready for the NBA Finals and with the Celtics versus whoever. Because <laughs> if we're relying on Tyler Hero, then the Jets, I mean, the, Nets, the Nets needed, uh, you know, Joe Harris too, but unfortunately he wasn't, uh, <laughs> he wasn't playing. So, all right. So I think the bad, like the back half of the question. So I think the season, because success is, you know, it could vary, right? It could look, you know, everybody's definition of success is going to vary. For me, what it's like, okay, you might need to go to another quarterback. Is if let's say he's like 18 touchdowns, 12 picks, then it's like, okay, you got to see what's on the market, period. You got to see what's on the market, you know? Like, like, am I saying you have to move on? No, but like, if he's 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, you win five games, you know, you're picking in a top five again, and there's some veterans available because. Like, I think there's a possibility that, you know, the roster can look good in the sense that, okay, you have a solid defense. You got good weapons. You just need a quarterback to come in that can take that next step, take that next leap for us. So, in all honesty, I think that type of year we're like, okay, 18 touchdowns, 19 touchdowns, uh, double-digit interceptions, complete percentage, like 61, passer rating in the 80s. It's like, man, you know, because nowadays, like, again, we've seen quarterbacks make that jump year two, Lamar, Josh Allen. Um, Burrow, uh, Kyle Murray, like we've seen it, you know what I'm saying? Like we have kind of seen quarterback hit the ground running, whether it was Herbert, Dak Prescott, um, even like, you know, like Baker hit the ground running. He just never got better after that. Year two, year two, so, Baker stunk, but then year three took a huge leap. Like these guys, like, but Baker is really good as a rookie. So it doesn't, yeah. you know I mean? like, like Freddie Kitchen's going to make anyone look bad. Um, if he is like, it, I would say this. So to answer the question of one stat I would look for to say Zach made an improvement. If Zach's yards per attempt or mid sevens, you know, high sevens, you know, no one's going to touch that Tannehill, like 11, you know, yards per attempt season. That was crazy. But right. if Zach's in the high sevens where he's, Zach was not drafted to be a game manager. I will, no. I understand why it was more impressive later in the year last year because it was a nice leap of he didn't turn the ball over and he started to kind of look like a competent football player. He was not drafted to be Alex Smith. He was drafted to be a top five quarterback in the NFL. That's why the Jets, whatever you think of Sam, they moved on because they wanted to bet on we can have a guy that can win us playoff games. So if Zach's yards per attempt are at 6-2 or 6-3 and his QBR is 35 again, <laughs> um, those are two things that will raise my eye in a, in a not so good way. Like I, I can, I don't mind the turnovers um, I know it was tweeted. I think NYJ Matt was like, what if he has 18 touchdowns, 20 interceptions? I'd rather Zach have a million interceptions and everything else look good. than like, he doesn't push the ball down the field. He's a check down Charlie quarterback that doesn't take shots. And he's like this guy that like that stuff is not going to fly. Um, I understand being playing within the offense, but the jets didn't, they didn't move, move all these different pieces to rebuild around a quarterback that was going to be, have a ceiling of, and Alex Smith, Jimmy Garoppolo, that like you don't feel like can win you a playoff game on their own. Like that's not why they drafted him. So that would raise my eye big time. Um, you know, he needs to push the ball. They need to be effective completions. It's not just, you know, 
And there was one point in year three of Sam where he was doing that, where it's like, oh, he's 21 or 32, but he's like 147 yards. Like, that's not, <laughs> I don't want that. That's not, a, I don't, that's not a quarterback that's effective. Um, so let's go to the next one here. Yeah. With the addition of Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed, what do you rank the Jets secondary in the AFC East? Yeah, I mean, Thank yeah, you, the follow-up. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, follow up, yeah, follow up on the sack thing, and then we'll go to the next. Yeah, one. yeah. Um, when you talk about the yards per attempt, like when I'm looking right now at just some of the the numbers, like Joe Burrow was eight point nine, like uh, what's it called? Jimmy Garoppolo eight point six, Matt Stafford eight point one, Joe Flacco eight, <laughs> Kyler Murray seven point nine, Russell Wilson. 10.7, Derek Carr, shout out Derek Carr, ceiling, anywho, uh, 7.7. Um, so again, like Lamar, 7.6, um, Kirk Cousins, 7.5. So again, like, bro, you're, you you hit on the head. Like, that's one stat that's must be accomplished. Now going to Johnny's question, where does the AFC East, the Jets cornerback group ranked in the AFC East? I'm gonna let you go first. Yeah, so I think this one's tough. Um, I guess I, I, I just really hard to predict where the Jets secondary is going to be. Cause I don't know what sauce is like right now they're fourth, um, probably, or they're, uh, yeah, they're probably fourth still, maybe they're third. I don't know. They're them in new England. It's kind of hard to tell. I think the Jets should be by the end of the year, better than new England. Miami's probably the best secondary in football or a top three secondary. And, and Buffalo is, Buffalo shit's nasty too. Buffalo is very much dependent on what Kyer is, and I like Kyer. So I'm and what Trey White looks like coming back. But like, if they're both good and they're playing what you think they're going to be, they're probably a top five secondary too. So yeah, the Jets are probably third. I'm going to say they're third right now. I think they're better than New England. Um, I think New England is more proven, but the problem is, is like, I think point blank, like the Jets should have at the end of the day, like they both. Reed and Saw should be better than Jalen Mills at, like at the end of the day, right? So if that's your number one corner and the Jets have two better corners, um, Devin McCourty is – Yeah, and Devin McCourty ain't getting any younger as much as I love him. I think he's been an amazing Patriot. So I'll say they're third. How about you? Yeah. Oh, my bad. Yeah, I was going to say third also. Um, I think – especially just on paper. I'm just looking on paper like like – DJ Reed is better than both of the corners that the that the Patriots have. And Sauce Gardner is more talented than both of the corners that the Patriots have. Um, but that is a wild card. You don't know how good Sauce is gonna be in year one. Like I'm not disrespecting the talent that he saw at Cincinnati. He saw very talented players, but then folks are a completely different beast. And 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 that's why I kind of liked Stingley a little bit. Like if I had it was one A, one B. I love both. That's why I like Stingley a little bit more. I knew he had went against like guys. Like the guys that were beating Stingley are in the NFL scoring touchdowns. Now, granted, nobody beat Sauce for a touchdown in in college, but I I, I would surmise that if Stingley played some of the competition that Sauce played, then it would have been totally similar too. But Sauce's traits are off the table, man. So um, you just kind of need him to tap in a half of his potential in year one, or even like maybe a quarter because the quarter that that could be somewhere you see some, some, some talent, you know what I'm saying? You know, it's hard to transition from college to the NFL at cornerback, bro. Cause each play, each game, you got to bring it like, cause so you can't take the people, off. 
Yeah, bro. Because like, Stingley's got to find that out too. Um, Who? That, Stingley's got to find that out too. Like oh, yeah, he, yeah, yeah, he mailed. Yeah, yeah. And look, I know why he mailed it in, and it's fine. But you got to bring it. And like, he's lucky he's in a division. I don't think he mailed it in. I mean, well, he, I he just think like he knew. Like, his, 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 I think he knew at the end of the day. Was like, I'm gonna. He only played three games last year. How did he mail yeah. it in? No, the COVID year. I yeah, think every, every, everyone mailed it in on LSU in 2020. That's 2020. But no, 2021. My, th- my my question is this. So we both like to talk a lot of trash, um, both like when we play sports and obviously just in general. Yeah. Sauce is in a really good way, I think, has the confidence about him that you need to be good in the NFL. Yeah. Point, point blank stop. Are you concerned in any way, shape, or form that having so much confidence and being this player that is, does a lot of talking. And I think it's really fun and it's exciting to cover and it's exciting to watch. Um, you know, he's telling Jalen Ramsey what to do before the Super Bowl and all this different stuff. Right. Are you worried at all? It's a lot. And it's like, it could fall on your face nah. or it, okay. I don't know either. I'm just curious. I've gotten that. Uh, nah, people asking that much. Yeah. I don't worry about stuff like that. Cause at the end of the day, man, he's an NFL player, whether he's quiet or not. That he got to go out there and make plays where he's yeah. talking to now. Regardless, granted, does it put more of a uh, a more eyeballs on you? Yeah, but like a lot of that is just media, bro. Like, like <laughs> it's not you know, the whole concept of bulletin bulletin board material is again like media like media generated. Like a player isn't gonna play harder because you say you're gonna lock them down. That's not how that works. Now yeah, it's just funny if you to need talk that about to, after. If you need that, yeah, that helped. Like. Those stories where that stuff happened is like MJ in year 16 and LeBron in year 20. Like those guys are like the best of the best ever. And like they need an edge at this point in their career because like why the hell else right. are you playing? It's not like right. him going into Jalen Waddle and like, yeah, I'm going to lock down Jalen Waddle. Like Jalen Waddle's in year two. He's still trying to go get paid. Like he's not like yeah, he's going to exactly. be motivated to go play anyways. Let's get to the next one here. We have a tight end question. Not sure it's from. It says anonymous, but we'll go with it anyways. Yo, what's going on, guys? I just want to know, how elite will the duo of CJ Uzama and Tower Conklin be this season? How many yards, like, combined for them? Thanks. Thank you for the question. From a tight end perspective, how elite will the Jets group be? Um, I think, like, you can expect them to be at least the middle of the pack tight end group. Um, I think... CJ Uzama's not been healthy a majority of his career. I think if they can get 15 games out of him, they'd be happy. Um, I think he's he's missed time at a lot of points or he's been banged up. Um, Tyler Conklin's an ascending player, I think, and I think he showed some some flashes last year. I have no idea what's going to happen with Jeremy Ruckert. Maybe he's a guy that's starting by week 10, or maybe he doesn't play at all. I have quite literally no idea because, you know, we'll see with them. I think yards-wise, if they just could get 800 yards out of their tight ends this year, or maybe 1,000 yards combined, I guess, you know, they get 400, 450 from one, 300, 350 from another, another 200, 250 from another, whatever it is, 800 to 1,000 yards, I think. What you need to see from the Jets tight ends, in my opinion, the thing that'll be make them, quote unquote, an elite group, can you get them to produce in the red zone and block really well? Like, can they do a good job in the run game, move bodies, and then provide a big value target on third down and touchdowns? I don't need I don't need a 1,000-yard tight end. I need guys that on third and four, you can run a stick route to them. And, yeah. you can, and you can get them out and they can just be reliable. Can you be a security blanket for Zach, make some nice plays? That's what I, I don't need. The Jets do not need Travis Kelsey because no. like they're, they're invested a ton in the wide receiver group. They need solid, reliable, 
even what the Packers have been getting from a Tunyon and, and Mercedes Lewis and these guys where they block well, they're, they're reliable in the red zone on some seam routes, some hitch routes, just small things, not a lot of drops. I think that to me is what'll make them for what the Jets need to be, you know, solid. Yeah. Um, I agree with everything that you said. I will counter that T.U. Thomas has been fairly like healthy in the past few years. I don't know yeah, why. I mean, it feels like he's always, he's one of those guys. I feel like he's always hurt, even if he's not. He, like he just he, always feels he like he's hurt a little bit by the end of the year. But like everybody's hurt. I will say 2019, he missed a lot, but 2019, 2018, he played all 16, and last year he played 16 out of 17. Yeah, I um, guess early in his career he was hurt, and then yeah, early in his career, yeah, he missed some games, missed some games. But yeah, bro, I mean, I agree with everything you said. Like. I don't expect he's going to be quote unquote elite, but I expect him to be productive. Um, I expect, you know, Tyler to be the leader of the group in terms of production. And you know, that that that's kind of that. So now to the last question. Yeah, we'll do um, last. Yeah, you want to ask it? This one's fun. Yeah, so so this question, this question made me chuckle, but uh it was uh what, what was the question? Um who, who at, a, at the, a at a game of theirs and between Daniel Jones, Zach Wilson, and Tua. Two so at Daniel a heat, Jones two and at a Zach heat. at Rangers game and, and two, two at a Miami at, Heat yeah. game. Who get a louder standing ovation? So I think Dan, this isn't really Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones, I know that. Like, if you're cheering for Daniel Jones in 2022, giving him a standing ovation, you need to be drug tested. So, <laughs> so I think that um, I would lean towards Tua, bro, because. Tuanon is a disgustingly sick fan base, bro. Like, it, it doesn't make any sense that a fan base is this hung-ho about a quarterback that still has to prove himself. Now, most fans, most Dolphin fans believe in Tua, and, and I understand that. But the way, like, they go to ride and defend him, I haven't seen, like, I think arguably, like, Tua might already be the second most polarizing quarterback in the NFL. I think the only quarterback that's more polarizing is the nasty man in Cleveland. I think it's the only person that's more polarizing. Like, I thought, is Aaron Rodgers more polarizing? Like, nah, he's just a dick that's just really good at football. Like, that's that's kind of that. Like, it is what it is, you know? Um, Baker maybe might be second, but, like, you know, like, the fan. <laughs> Miami with Tua, bro, like, they saw him at a heat game, especially a playoff game. If he showed up at a playoff game, against the Celtics, when I mean they would shop their behinds off, and it's because, you know, Boston versus Miami, Tua versus Mac, bro, it, it, it would go absolutely bonkers. So that's why I would go, you know, you know, that's why I go Tua. Because those fans are sick. I think this question depends on if we went Islanders game, a majority of the Jets fan base, or Devils game where the majority of the Jets fan base is North Jersey and, and Long Island, I think Zach – gets the biggest ovation. I say Zach from this perspective. He's played by far the least amount, so he's yeah. pissed off the least amount of people because people that because <laughs> you could just be like, oh, he's a rookie, he's, he was bad. Yeah. Um, I think Daniel Jones gets a nice, uh, you know, a nice, nice hand, but I don't think it. I think it's just because people just cheer. You, you kind of have to cheer these guys, like, um, you know, whatever. The Tua thing is weird because, like, I think people like it. most Dolphins fans. I saw a tweet today that I was really interesting, but not going to a rant. But like, the, all these things are coming out. That like, the Dolphins believe he can make every single throw, and the staff believes there's not a throw he can't make. And all these, a lot of Dolphins reporters were talking about it. And I was like, saw something that was like, 
they obviously don't believe that because they tried to trade for multiple different quarterbacks and they were on you know, Deshaun Watson for literally two years. And then to be fair, that, that's a different coaching staff. Yeah. But it's just like the point is like, obviously, if he could make all the throws and everyone had this blind faith, there would never like there would be no discussion. He'd already be getting contract extension talks. So um, I think two of we received like the two of I don't know if maybe two is more like disagreed on in the Dolphins fan base than Zach is, but the people that love Tua, like, love Tua. Like, you can't say – you can't say – I posted one thing just saying that the Jets and Dolphins were closer on paper than – which I think they are. And, like, we'll see what happens. And my mentions were literally a bloodbath. It looked like World War II. It was horrible. Um, My – you know, I can't imagine covering the Dolphins. So, I I mean, it'd be even worse. But, um, yeah, no, that's that's a fun one. I think if any New York sports star was at a New York game, um, Aaron Judge probably gets the loudest ovation at a Rangers game or a Jets game or something like that. I feel like him or he probably gets one. I feel like he's probably one. Miami sports-wise, who's getting the biggest one, Tua? Or Jimmy Butler? Right now? Yeah, it for sure be Tua without a doubt. I would say that they Tua just like the stand ovation has to happen in the second quarter. Can't happen in the first. I was just gonna, I was gonna make fun of Miami fan base, but I'm gonna stop because I will say this: it's because like, like so the actual about, arena. Yeah, I know. Like, I see. I know this because I when I went there, I went to a heat game. I was like, why is no one at this game in the first quarter? And then I was like, South Beach. No, it's not that. It's not that. It's because of like the actual like construction where the arena actually is on like one road. It's a lot of excuses to actually get there. It's not excuses, bro. Like what? Like it's hard to get into the actual arena. Like what? No, I don't know. Well, it's uh, maybe this, we'll, we'll try this question again, uh, you know, closer to the season and see if people still feel the same way about these guys. I do think, I don't think Zach would get the, I, I guess Zach would get the biggest. I think Barrios would get the biggest ovation at a game just because he's like, every fan likes him. Like people, like some people just hate Zach because he was bad. I think Brax is like easy to like. Yeah. People just like Brax. Like I don't, I don't know. I feel like he's an easy one. Elijah would probably get a pretty big, pretty big ovation. At this point, Sauce would. I mean, <laughs> Sauce might get the biggest one. Honestly, is doesn't done anything bad yet. All he does is exciting. So, um, we'll be back OTAs, I believe, right next week. Um, you'll be you'll be in yeah, person. I'm TBD sure. if I'll be there um, or not. And then we'll kind of get – we'll kind of recap that a little bit, just start to see some of these guys fly around and run around a little bit, you know, get a good look at some of them in person, uh, especially some of the rookies and Zach being beefy and how that uh, that's working. So, um, you know, we'll be back. Appreciate next time we do the mailbag again. Please leave, you know, voice messages, tweets. Uh, we'll try to get to as many as we can. And, uh, yeah, anything else before we wrap? Um, shout out Brady Quinn for – Ups, up, upsetting the entire Jet fan base. Why do people care, man? Let I don't even know Brady Quinn watched the NFL. <laughs> no, I just, it's just, you know, when it comes to opinions and stuff, where people allow opinions to really like just get them going, dog. Like, I stopped letting opinions get me going. Like, I don't know when I stopped, but like, when you just take things for what it's worth, like, someone's gonna have a different opinion than you, and that is okay. Like when it comes to sports, like they're gonna have it's a better. Opinion. It's I think it's better for the Jets. The more people think that they still suck, because what's being set up right now is everyone, oh, yeah, yeah, everyone yeah, going. Yeah. See, the Jets need to win ten. Like I've RG three yeah. didn't make nothing he said was wrong, but they do not need to win ten games. I think that's putting right. an expectation on them that all of a sudden they have to be a, a playoff team. And I just don't. I'm not sure. I hope they're there. I'm not so sure about that. Um, oh, the, everyone's betting the Jets over. Everyone's doing like, let's, 
you know, they're the darling pick right now to be that surprise team. I think that's a setup to be like either see I was right or dunk on them the way the Browns kind of got dunked on last year. I know the Browns were more about the Super Bowl, but everyone's picking the Browns to the Super Bowl and then they weren't good. So um, let's I'd, I'd rather everyone say, oh, the Jets are going 0 9. They're going to be terrible, blah, 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 because then when if they're good, it'll be much more fun and satisfying than if everyone's saying they're going to be amazing and they win six games. And even if they even if they take a step for what we all think, Zach looks good and like they're set up for 2023. Everyone's going to still say they suck. So I'm just going to say, please let the Brady Quins, you know, piss you off now because it's better if they're good. You can flood his mentions and tell him he's an idiot in six months from now. We'll be back uh, later in the week and, uh, you know, talk to you guys soon.